You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, is back. And we are live to talk about the Peach Bowl. New Year's Six Bowl win for Mel Tucker. 11 wins on the year. Uh, we we are kind of reminding ourselves by saying this as well. But trying to to focus on the game here as much as we can. We have an entire offseason to talk about the season as a whole. Um, although it is tempting to talk about how much fun this season was in general, uh, this is really our last opportunity to break down one singular football game. So we'll we'll do that as best we can. But Scott, we are Peach Bowl champions. We are New Year's Six Bowl champions. How does it feel? How are you? Happy New Year. All that fun stuff. I'm back from the Great White North. Uh, had a great trip. Thank you for holding it down for an episode. Um, feels great. I mean, we, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, wh- what these bowl games feel like these days. I think the energy coming into the game, you could kind of feel a little bit of a difference compared to maybe five to 10 years ago in a game like this. Um, but still want to win 11 win season. Uh, we haven't had a whole lot of those ever. So um, in Mel Tucker's second year, we'll spend an entire off season talking about what this means for the program. Um, but what a great feeling. What a great game. That game had everything you want just in a good competitive, fun to watch football game. And uh, obviously it feels great to be on top. Um, just like I said, really fun game to win to cap a fun season. I think that's the story here for me is just how fun this season was. I mean, there's going to be expectations now in East Lansing, but nobody expected this going into the year. And uh, we finally have the full picture, and it was a ton of fun. Yeah, it's a lot more fun to win when you're not really expecting to win. When you're expecting to win and then you win, it's just kind of like, all right, well, yep, that was that was good. And when you don't expect to, you go into a season thinking, all right, get to six and six, get to a bowl game, and then all of a sudden you're Peach Bowl champions. It's It's a lot different of a feeling. So, you know, here we are. 11 wins later and uh that's the result and we kind of talked about it like with this game i think in the moment for i think more for national people than for uh michigan state people or i guess specifically for rivalry people as well like you focus on the well it was against a third string quarterback for most of the game and even to start the game it was just their backup quarterback and it it maybe takes a little bit of the of the celebration out of it but I don't know man like a a couple months from now we're not going to really remember the fact that it was the third string quarterback we're going to remember that we went in there and and won a peach bowl and and our new year's six bowl champions and we beat the ACC champion and you know it's it's just one of those things that I I don't really take that much stock into I I don't think you know, months, years from now that people really care about it. I mean, you saw the running backs that we were marching out there without Kenneth Walker. And I think, uh, you know, I don't want to say it was necessarily even going in with a third string quarterback versus, you know, a second and third string running back. But well, when you watch what our running backs were doing, it it made a pretty big difference on our end too. So it, it wasn't exactly an even playing field, but you know, they weren't the only team playing, you know, left-handed. So 
got to remember that as well. Man, Kenneth Walker, without him, uh, this offense sputtered for for quite a long time here. Somebody I, I remember posted on Twitter asking if we could retroactively give him the Heisman after like three quarters of this game. But yeah, man, uh, I, I don't even necessarily want to say a fun game. It was a fun first quarter and a fun fourth quarter. I'll definitely say that much. Well, yeah, it was um, it was back and forth. Uh, the third quarter, I was sitting there like I'm sure most Spartan faithful, not feeling great about it. Uh, come out of the you know half and need a play, and I think immediately had that either that interception or, or at least a punt, but a bad start to the second half. Um, that and was it wasn't a fumble scoop and score. Right. So we go down 11, um, not feeling good. And I, I sat there and I said to myself, well, we're going to see kind of what Peyton Thorne's made of, you know, at halftime we were FaceTiming and with TJ and we, we basically said Peyton Thorne's going to have to win this game. And that was kind of the story going into the game too, right? Without Kenneth Walker is this is the Thorne's team. He's going to be, you know, showcased here and we're going to see what he's made of. And in the third quarter, I was like, all right, maybe, maybe he doesn't have kind of that big stage gene, right? Maybe it's just a little too big a stadium, um, too good a defense to overcome. But that fourth quarter came around and something clicked. And I mean, he reeled off, there was a stretch. He was 13 of 14 in that fourth quarter. Um, I mean, he was hitting everything when it mattered. Um, and it took everyone. It was it was a great game. It felt like everybody who contributed throughout the season in a, in a major way, obviously outside of Kenneth Walker, um, had a big play, at least one big play in this game. So everyone got their name called, um, and and it was a great kind of cap to the, to this year. Led, I think, by Jane Reed, who I think just took his final bow as he yeah. heads off to the NFL. Um, dude looks like an NFL wide receiver. I mean, he's got the speed. We were talking about this, the route running, the one-on-one ability, the ball skills, um, and the attitude. So I think we might be seeing an announcement here soon from him, uh, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, he said after the game he's making his pros and cons list and he's going to sit down and and put some thought into it. So we'll wait on that. Uh, That's that's pretty big because we were kind of talking before as well, like, it seems like, you know, we're going to have Jalen Naylor back. He's got another year of eligibility, and, and I just don't think he's really NFL ready right now as far as a draft prospect. And if we bring back Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, Trey Mosley, Montori Fought, like all of these guys coming back, Malik Carr at, at tight end, who's st- shown some pass catching chops as well. Like, yeah, I think there's a lot of um, pessimism for the running game next year. And and rightfully so, I think anybody who watched, you know, the, the running backs, you know, basically just slam into the offensive line of 50 times last night uh, can say the same thing, but you bring back every piece of a really dynamic passing attack. And I think that makes you feel a lot more comfortable about the offense going into next year. I you speaking of Peyton Thorne, I I was going through the uh the the game log and everything and there was a, a pretty telling difference between three parts of this game because I, I think everybody watching could kind of see, okay, the beginning of the game, we started hot, cooled off for a while, fell off a cliff for a while, and then came back strong in the fourth quarter. So Peyton Thorne, he had what, fifty pass attempts. Uh, the first quarter, a little bit over a quarter of gameplay, Peyton Thorne started off this game seven for nine, 137 yards, one touchdown from there. He went on a, on a run of seven for 21, 65 yards, one interception and one fumble. Then he finished the game off 15 for 20, 152 yards two touchdowns so it really was a roller coaster for Thorne um and you know credit to him for for bouncing back and and putting his team in a position to come back and win this game I mean 
I think, you know, like you said, people, people on Twitter were, were calling for Anthony Rousseau. People on our group chat were thinking about, you know, like, is it time to think about Rousseau and credit to Thorne, you know, he put his nuts on the table and he said, all right, let's, let's go back and win this thing. I, I heard Mel Tucker after the game, he was talking about him and basically said Peyton Thorne acknowledged in the game that, Hey, it's just uh, my footwork's all messed up and, and I got to get this fixed. And Mel Tucker just said, all right, get that worked out and we're going to let it rip. So that's exactly what they did. 50 passing attempts for Thorne and uh, ended up with a hell of a game. I think like I I texted you guys this morning, uh, you and TJ, and it was just kind of funny, like looking back at how bad the middle of the game was, but how good the beginning and the end was. And I was like, well, if you just had to say uh, a black or white, there's no gray area. Was this a good game or a bad game for Peyton Thorne? And it's just like, I, I don't really know the, I think it was a good game, but there was some really, really, really bad quarterback play there for a while. That three play stretch where uh, he had Jalen Naylor down the sideline, underthrew him in a ball that that Naylor should have caught. I mean, he got both hands on it, probably should have come down with that. But that was a missed opportunity for Thorne, who should have led him for an easy walk-in 60-plus yard touchdown. Missed that throw, comes back on the next play, and just sails an out route like 30 yards out of bounds to a guy who was wide open, and then fumbles on the next play. That three-play series was the worst football I've seen Peyton Thorne play all year. And to bounce back from that, give him all the credit in the world. But yeah, I was like, good game. I think. I would say your most answers would probably follow the, the results of the game. Like if we had lost this game, but 35, 31, um, same, you know, same Peyton Thorne line, same right, offensive like if, production if Pitt had just scored on that last drive and, and won it instead of getting the pick six or something. Right. Right. Then you look at this and you're like, yeah, well, Peyton Thorne's mistakes probably led to this loss. Right. But because we came out on top, you can say, well, Peyton Thorne's fourth quarter play led to this win. Um, it was a great game for him. I think for his development too, uh, you see that fourth quarter prowess, you see him making throws when it really matters you look at these three touchdown passes. The first one it was third and nine. It was that first drive, right? So we get the ball, great field position after that funky kickoff situation for Pitt and the three and out. We get one yard on first down, incomplete on second down. It's third and nine on Pitt's 28. Back against the wall, just throw a 28-yard touchdown. Um, the Connor Hayward pass, incredible pass, equally if not more incredible catch uh, yeah. by Connor Hayward to – put a stamp on his career. Um, and then obviously the Jaden Reed, the game winner for 22 yards. I mean, all phenomenal throws, but some of these mistakes, I think you can grow on as well. First of all, the, the, the fumble Peyton Thorne's been taking hits all year. Yeah. And he hadn't really burned we've, us yet. We've talked about it all year too. And the guy, the guy needs to learn how to slide, man. <laughs> yeah. That, that play I think is one that Mel Tucker can just like put on loop in the QB room all off season. It's just like <laughs> this season, we're, this off season, we're going to do plenty of things, but first and foremost, we're going to teach Peyton Thorne how to get on the ground. Like there was another play in the first quarter that he scrambled yeah. out and he took on three defenders after he got the first down. I was like, dude, you already got the first down. You're taking on three guys here. I think two of them were linebackers. Like you're not, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish here. Just get down. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I love seeing him use his legs, but yeah, that was, like I said, it hadn't burned us until now. Um, He did it again. Although that one was kind of at the line of scrimmage. It wasn't his worst decision, but nonetheless, a teaching moment. Um, And, and Peyton Thorne, I mean, he's a, He's a sophomore quarterback who just won a New York six bowl against Pat Narduzzi's defense. And that felt like a Pat Narduzzi defense, yeah. didn't it? I mean, sure. A running game without Kenneth Walker, we knew there might be some issues, but they, they were rallying. I mean, in that third quarter I was watching and it felt the same as those, you know, rally to the football feels like you're playing against 14 guys defenses where yep. every the tackle quarterback, is by three or four guys. Yeah. If you get the ball out, somebody's in the QB's face. And as soon as the receiver's trying to catch it, there's one guy trying to make a play on the ball and another guy waiting to make the tackle. Like they were everywhere when they had the momentum. And 
that pass rush did exactly what we were hoping it wouldn't do. It was blowing up our tackles. They were getting to the quarterback. They were flushing them out. They were ruining the timing on the plays. That's one of the reasons I think Peyton Thorne was missing a lot of these deep balls. He couldn't step into his throws at all. They were just arm slinging blindly down the field because uh, that's all he could do to get the ball out without taking a sack. So um, they were a little bit shorthanded in their secondary. They were missing their top corner. It would have been great to see that Reed matchup um, with an elite corner like that. But nonetheless, sound uh, secondary play by them. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think my prediction in this one that I texted you when we were having uh, some Wi-Fi issues was that we would just make a few more plays in the passing game. Jordan Addison would have a big yak day. And, uh, and that's what happened. It didn't end up being Nick Patty making a few plays for, for Pitt other than his touchdown run. It was, what's this Bevel kid's first name. I want to say Daryl Bevel because it's a D uh, but I know it's not Daryl Bevel. Um, but yeah, so our, our offense, our passing game did just make a few more plays. Um, won a few more of those 50, 50 balls. And, and that was really, I think the difference in this one. Yes, yeah, so we'll we'll get to more of our breakdown here, but we have an important word from our friends at DraftKings. If you've been listening to the last couple episodes, I'm going to keep reading these because this is what it tells me to do. I, I I am a man of the sponsor, and if they want me to read uh, for the NHL, well, then I'll do it here. Uh, again, the disclaimer here, I don't want to speak for DraftKings. If you use this same promo code for any NFL bets, I'm pretty sure it will work. Don't 100% quote me on it, but give it a shot. Uh, if it doesn't work, DM me or something. We'll, we'll figure it out for you. But uh, the NHL is, is in full throttle here. The Red Wings, the Iser plan is, is working. And if you are an NHL fan, you can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. For me, even if you're not an NHL fan, I mean, that's just basically free money. So why not? If the sports book isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. While we're at it here, I I also want to note all of the uh, Standing Room Spartans content is going to keep on rolling. We're going to, you know, we've said this before. We have some ideas for the website. I, I don't want to, you know, declare anything just, just in case we don't end up doing something or something falls through, but have some ideas for the website to get some writing back on there. Um, we have a lot of ideas for next season. We're thinking about possibly doing a live pregame show we we have some ideas that we're throwing around um if you guys have any ideas we're always open to it follow us on twitter the links are in the episode notes leave us a review it really helps new fans find the show and uh join the facebook group as well the link is also there it's the standing room spartans community uh we're trying to build that thing up uh i think once we get over let's say over 150 members in that group. We're about halfway there right now. Uh, we just started it at the end of the season. So it's, it's a blossoming group, but once we get over 150, we will start announcing some things that we're going to plan on doing with that. So go join that Facebook group. Uh, it's, it's kind of our own little content bubble there. If you will, we'll see what we can do with it as time goes on, but, uh, the content will keep going. Don't you worry. Michigan State football all year long, just because the season is over. Don't unsubscribe. Don't stop listening. We will be here for your fix. So um, with all of that said, we have game balls to get. We have play the game to get. But just, you know, to kind of keep going with the this game. So I want to talk about the defense you know, we spent a lot of time talking about Peyton Thorne and, and talking about the receivers and, and the lack of a running game. 
man, I thought the defense played out of their minds for most of this game. I, I know it was against starting as a second string and then ending as the third string quarterback, but you know, man, you, you really look at this game, you allow barely over a hundred yards rushing on 32 attempts. You're giving up 3.3 yards per carry. You're giving up 270 total yards, 21 points, but seven of them were on a scoop and score. So you're giving up 14 points on defense. And we kind of talked about this before too. You take away even just that one long play by Jordan Addison. It was like what, 50 yards that got them into scoring range and they ended up punching that in. I won't even like, we can probably argue that, you know, that you probably don't score uh, on that drive without that play. But, you know, you, you take out that one play and you're basically at like 200 total yards of offense and seven offensive points. I mean, the defense played incredible five sacks got a turnover I thought the defense played awesome and I thought specifically the the group that I want to mention defensive line played awesome all game long they were getting pressure it was something that I brought up in the preview that you have a group of defensive ends who are playing in their final college football game Jacob Panishuk Drew Beasley Drew Jordan um, we didn't really see Drew Jordan's name come up a lot in terms of the pass rushing, but Beasley and Panishuk were both getting home. You had Brandon Wright making an appearance off the edge. You had Simeon Barrow return and and be his full game wrecking self. You had Jacob Slade with just another great game. This defensive line played out of their minds. I, I want people to give them all the flowers that they deserve for it because they've been playing pretty darn well all season long. I know, you know, we, we like to talk about how bad the past defense was. And, and because of that, I think people are talking about how bad the defense was in general, but this isn't just a, a peach bowl thing. I mean, this, this defensive line has played great all season long and we're going to have a lot to replace next year with those top three defensive ends leaving, but Petrovsky has played really well all season and, and those defensive tackles, man, they can wreck a game. So it was exciting to get those guys back. And it was exciting to see kind of that final curtain call uh, for, for especially Panishuk and Beasley who have been with this program for ages now and for them to really cap off their careers in a great way was awesome. I will say, uh, you know, quick earmuffs here for for parents who are driving with their kids or something. The Jacob Panishuk tweet after uh, was was just fantastic. He posted a picture of him in the locker room, and uh, I gotta pull it up here. But it was basically like, you know, hey, great season. I love my guys. Love playing with my guys, and also fuck Michigan. <laughs> it's just like I love this guy. Uh, he the is going to way- be missed the perfect way for him to end his MSU career. I know he is certainly not the most well-liked guy in Ann Arbor. Um, Plenty of those folks have had their issues with him over the years, as we have with certain Michigan players. And he just steered right into that persona. Uh, I think that's probably the legacy he wants to be uh, remembered as Michigan. Um, And he made sure to it helps when you have Paul Bunyan in your trophy yeah. case when you're saying stuff like that. Yeah, he posted, again, quick earmuffs for the people. I'll read the tweet out. And there was there was two pictures, one of him just kind of like lounging with the boys, the other one middle fingers out. It's been a crazy five years. Love this team, man. Wouldn't want to end it with any other group of guys. Thank you for showing up tonight, Spartan Nation. Forever and always, fuck Michigan, 96 out. <laughs> that's that's beautiful that that's just that's a hell of a way to end Chef's your career. Man, yeah no the de- defensive line play yeah, awesome. so obviously cal holiday sealed the game with that pick six and basically identical to the indiana pick six i mean stride for stride it was it was just a complete twin of a play dropped right back into that little zone quarterback thought he had something on the on the crossing route right behind him just grabs it, nothing but green grass in front of him. He said after the game, like, yeah, I, I know I was coached to 
go down in that situation, you know, just given the fact that you're leading it's late in the game and you can basically just knee it out from there. Um, but he's like, yeah, you see all that green grass in front of you. Like, what do you expect me to do? You know, it's so great play to seal it uh, and seal an awesome freshman season. And we, we kind of mentioned like we got two linebackers coming in as transfers. Um, Cal Halliday's making a push. She's saying, Hey, I, I don't care who's transferring in, you know, one of these spots is mine and, and I'm sure he's going to work all off season long to make sure he keeps that spot, but hell of a game for him and, and way to wrap up the season. It was weird really quick too. Uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of touch on, on this all as well, but it was weird seeing him without the cast. I, I got so accustomed to seeing him with the cast on that seeing him barehanded again was a little bit strange. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he got a great game side of those two uh, touchdown drives they let six first downs three of those were on the last drive when we capped it with a pick and we're allowing them to move the ball a little bit more um it was a you know the asterisk will be brought up when you say stuff like that that it was their third string quarterback and that played into it I mean when we got him in in the second half and saw his tendencies and realized we could just crank up the pressure. He, he struggled and you know what he actually for all things considered being a third string quarterback and pressed into action in the middle of a new year's six game. Um, he did okay. He made some throws, but just couldn't process it quickly enough. We cranked up the pressure that last interception. Um, he had been throwing that, underneath crosser to Addison a few times we just dropped you know a mugging linebacker right into that hot read for him brought pressure off the other side and it worked to perfection um but the defense they, they did they played really well they have limited big plays uh they and really shut quick. down essentially shut down the run there were a couple uh a couple leakers but um quick yeah, too though the whole second half Pitt had four first downs and like 90 yards of offense I mean, like you said, exactly. I mean, once we kind of figured him out and, you know, get into the locker room at halftime and make some adjustments, it was a wrap for them on offense. So, yeah, their last, I mean, their second half drive chart, they had the fumble touchdown, which doesn't count for the offense, but they had a three and out, three and out, four and out, three and out, pick six for Michigan State. So the second half, the defense completely controlled the game the third quarter both defenses controlled the game yeah um but yeah I was sitting there you know and I said it multiple times I turned to my fiance uh and I said we cannot lose to a third string quarterback (laughs) that was like that was I could already read the headlines you know read the tweets everything I was like we have to win this game for no other reason than so that we absolutely do not lose to a third string quarterback uh, and the defense did what they could. The offense just had to uh, to find kind of the unlock to that Narduzzi defense, which it came late, but uh, it did come along. I think the seniors really pulled us out of that slump. You know, we, things were ugly in the third quarter, and Connor Hayward steps up, starts making a few plays. Um, the defense we mentioned, you know, the defensive ends, the seniors, Beasley and Panashuk, made sure their offense came to a halt. Uh, Noah Harvey, we were talking before we started recording, had that pass breakup that felt like a a great redemption arc for his career at Michigan State, right? I mean, he was kind of the slow guy who couldn't cover for a long time, ended up losing his job, uh, but stayed there throughout the season, um, was called upon, especially the second half of the season. And I mean, that was a touchdown. That that receiver was holding the ball in the end zone. and, and he made a great play in man coverage. Uh, who knows where this game would have gone if, if he reels that in. So, um, yeah, I mean, the seniors led it. Um, and we just had to figure it out. And, and by the end, Peyton Thorne uh, and company did exactly that. And, and Jaden Reed, maybe not a senior, felt like certainly a leader of this team was playing with that senior kind of last game attitude of, you know, we're, we're in a bad place right now, but – I'm going to leave it all out on the field. Um, and there were multiple guys doing that. You love to see the seniors stepping up in a bowl game. People say these games don't matter. People say there's no energy to the seniors. These games absolutely matter. And and you could see kind of an extra gear in a few of these guys to make sure they weren't going to leave anything on the field. 
Yeah. And on that note, again, just, you know, another reminder, I've said it a million times already, but we need to remember that we just won a new year six bowl. And I, I hate how the, you know, so Josh Pate has been talking about this and I, it's something I really agree with. Like when it it was basically from the time that the playoff was created. And I, I'm not saying anything about the playoff specifically right now, but just for a time frame reference, like, and all of a sudden this, this idea that of the quote unquote meaningless bowl game started coming up and it was, it was a media thing, right? It was, it was some, you know, guy on ESPN or some guy on whatever, who started saying, well, these meaningless bowl games. And then everybody just kind of listened to them and agreed with them and said, yeah, these don't matter. Like bowl games always mattered. And especially New Year's Six Bowl games, like these were always a huge deal. And then about what, five, six, seven years ago, there started being this kind of movement of, ah, these games don't really matter for anything. It's just an exhibition. And then slowly but surely, everybody was listening to those comments and reading those articles and reading those tweets and saying, yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. And so basically from, from that point, it became like, what's going on here? Like, why, why do these games, why don't, why are players opting out? Why are play? Well, it's because the media kept saying that the games don't matter. So the players listened to that and said, okay, if, well, if it doesn't matter, then I'm not going to play. And so I don't know, like, I just want to be, since we are quote unquote media, I guess we are technically getting paid to talk about college football. You know, I want to be on the other side of this and saying like, these games matter. The winning a new year's six bowl matters. And if you watch that game, and like you said, you watch the seniors and the way that they celebrated after the game and the emotions throughout the game, like it matters. And if as a fan base, we keep just pushing the narrative that the games don't matter. The players are eventually going to listen and nobody's going to play in them. And and eventually they'll just cancel the bowl games. And so, you know, I, obviously it's, it's like voting in an election. Your one individual voice. Does it really matter? Probably not. But when you just keep kind of echoing those same things and you rub off on another guy and another guy rubs off on another guy, then that sounded really weird. Uh, you know, then eventually you get a whole group of people who just, yeah, it doesn't really matter. So if we, if we try to reverse this, we, we still have time here. We can still reverse the trend. We can be the ones saying, Hey, these games really matter. And yeah, I'm just going to steer into it. Now that I already said it, I'm going to rub off on another guy. He's going to rub off on another <laughs> guy. And eventually we'll, we'll get this thing back on track. So that's my rant. The rant is over. Bowl games matter. And uh, to anybody who says otherwise, then, you know, I disavow. All right, folks, get to rubbing. That is your, <laughs> that is the salve that will fix this playoff only mentality. Rub your neighbor. I feel like I should add like a legal, like a legal waiver. We do yeah. not endorse any physical rubbing or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, they do matter. Unfortunately, I do think it's because of the playoff that we're seeing this. I know you didn't want to get into that whole rant and I'm sure we'll have a whole episode or two about it this off season, but I think that the argument is now going to be, well, just expand the playoff and they'll matter again, which is really lazy, right. uh, but it's low hanging fruit and it's going to be taken advantage of. Um, it's frustrating. I mean, I remember the 2014 cotton bowl, right? We were students at the time and that game felt like the Super Bowl and yeah. full stadium and appointment television. I mean, we still have, I'm sure, banners and we still have the trophy all over our um, our football stadium. And it's just frustrating now because it feels like only one team can have a exactly. good season in the eyes of the media. Exactly. And that was and never what it was. Right. You have 130 FBS teams and only one team now because because the media decided that, you know, all the other games don't matter. You have 130 teams and only one team gets to celebrate at the end of the year. It's it's so, you know, like the NFL has the Super Bowl and every other team failed if they didn't win the Super Bowl. Well, that's fine because there are 32 teams. There's a salary cap. 
there's a draft system where the worst team gets the number one pick. Like they're supposed to be all equally competitive. So if, if you can never win that championship, then it's because you're doing something wrong. Like college football is so much different than that. And if you're not going to going to allow, I don't know, Purdue to celebrate winning the music city bowl, then what is Purdue supposed to celebrate? Like they're, they're never going to win a national championship. They're probably never going to win a Rose bowl. Like, you know, what, what do you want them to do? And so when, again, you just keep saying, well, that game doesn't even matter. Well, that's just so disingenuous to the players, to the coaching staffs of the, you know, and I'm not even including Michigan state in this because you know, we've talked about many times, like we're trying to sit in that big boy table, but you know, look at the Purdue's, look at the Maryland's, look at the, you know, just the middle kind of tier power five teams who are, they're not going to invest enough to be a national championship contender, but they'll invest enough to be a competitive team that, that goes and wins good quality bowl games. And that used to be something we celebrated. It's not something we celebrate anymore. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's super frustrating. As like William Golston posted about, uh, some highlights from that Outback Bowl against Georgia. I, I remember that game like it was yesterday. But, you know, because some guy at ESPN told me now that it doesn't matter, well, you know, I, I imagine now being like a 14-year-old college football fan. And, it, you know, I, I just I feel bad because they're growing up with this narrative that these games don't matter, where we grew up with the narrative that, you know, the bowl games are everything that that's like a, a program defining win, right? It's, it's frustrating. I don't know. Yeah. We'll finish the rant this off season. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of college football playoff expansion talk to fill the college football void uh, over the next half a year or however dreadfully long we now have to look. I haven't even looked at that void yet. I'm trying to avoid it. September 3rd. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, to bring it back, though, this game did matter. It mattered to me. I'm sure it mattered to those players. It mattered to our fans. It mattered to Pitt. Um, <laughs> there was, I mean, there was, like, fans crying. So if you want to say it doesn't matter. Players um, fighting on the sideline. Yeah, it was uh, – it mattered. And it felt great. It's a Peach Bowl. I don't know. Has Michigan State ever won the Peach Bowl? I don't know if they brought that up on the broadcast. Not, not in my lifetime, for sure. So another New Year's Six Bowl, we can kind of check off the list. We've got the Cotton Bowl now. We've got the Rose Bowl. We've got the Peach Bowl. And a college football playoff appearance all within the last, I think, eight years. Yeah, yeah. So still a great run. Uh, if Mel Tucker can keep this up, what's going to be pretty easy to overlook that 2016 to 2020 um downturn and i mean yeah don't don't lose sight of this this was mel tucker's second year he won 11 games he won a new year's six bowl he had a heisman candidate his quarterback broke the record for michigan state for passing touchdowns in a season in third all time in, in passing yards the defense sure we need to turn some things around on that side of the ball but year two and and you made the point this is largely D'Antonio players. When you look at who, who made impacts in this bowl game, you know, a lot of folks want to call us transfer. You want to say, you know, we did it through the transfer portal. I mean, when you look at the guys who, who made themselves known on this box score, how many are not D'Antonio holdovers? I mean, Harold Joyner touched the ball like twice, but I mean, you really look at this on the defensive side of the ball Ronald Williams was, you know, one of the starting corners. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Drew Jordan, he was out there. He made a few plays. Right. Uh, but but largely, this is D'Antonio, guys. And, and so this means Mel Tucker took what was here, developed it into an 11-win team, and supplemented it a little bit with transfers. You cannot overlook Kenneth Walker. Right. He, he obviously didn't play in this game. Made a huge impact, and, and we were texting back and forth. It's we, hard to really know if this would have been our offense all year without Kenneth Walker, or if we just ran into a really stout pit run defense. Right. Um, like we can all agree. We wouldn't have won 11 games without Kenneth Walker, but would it have been nine wins or six wins? You know, like how big of a difference was it? it we'll never know, but 
But nonetheless, I mean, this is mostly D'Antonio guys. And so anyone who wants to say, well, Mel Tucker just brings talent, you know, from the portal that's already ready to play. It's not really true. Um, you got most of these guys are D'Antonio guys. And, and it was great to see D'Antonio at the game. And I saw a couple yeah. of clips of the, the players running over to him after the game and chatting it up with him. And I just love to see that. I love that kind of the very last um, fingerprints of the D'Antonio era and the guys that were here when he left are still, you know, able to put a really positive spin on his tenure. And uh, again, I know we went through some tough things with D'Antonio when he left the program, but um or step down anyway, still with the program, but we really do owe everything to him as a program. We wouldn't have this coach. We wouldn't have this season. We wouldn't have a lot of the things that we're enjoying these days without yep. the, the groundwork that he laid. Yep. So let's, let's wrap it with back going back to this game. Speaking of things that matter to the players, the game balls, the standing room Spartans game balls are uh, among the more prestigious of college football awards. And we are going to give some out here. We've got two game balls. We've got two plays of the game. Uh, Scott, I will let you start us off here with your game ball. Let's start there. So game ball, best player of this game, best player of the Peach Bowl was Peyton Thorne. He went through a lot. There was certainly adversity in this game. It wasn't his flashiest game. Um, he made mistakes. But going into this game, we said, this is going to be Peyton Thorne's moment, for better or for worse. Going into the fourth quarter, I said, this is a great opportunity for Peyton Thorne to add kind of a, a legacy win to his career um, in, in dramatic fashion. And in the fourth quarter, we saw what Peyton Thorne is made of against a defense that was controlling the game for the last 30 minutes plus. Uh, he stepped up. He found his favorite guys. They stepped up for him, and he made the exact plays down the stretch we needed to make to win this game. Um, Peyton Thorne's my player of the game. Again, 29 for 50, 354 yards, three touchdowns, a pick and a fumble. Um, costly ones at that but he was the guy down the stretch he was the reason we came back and won this game and he gets the game ball hopefully a sign of things to come remember Peyton Thorne technically still has three years yep. of eligibility uh, so hopefully a long and exciting career ahead for him so I'll give my game ball here as a tough decision I'm gonna go with Jordan Simmons no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so no, I'm going to bend the rules a little bit here as we are known to do. I'm going to give the game ball to the defensive line. I, I just, I didn't really know exactly how to divvy it up here. Brandon Wright, Jacob Slade, Jacob Panishuk, Simeon Barrow, Drew Beasley, all had sacks in this game. Jacob Slade, Jacob Panishuk, Brandon Wright, all chipped in uh, an additional tackle for loss as well. Um, and, and those are solo tackles for loss here. Slade had two total. Panishuk had two. Barrow had two uh, assisted. So I, I just thought this defensive line, man, they played out of their minds. And it was from the first snap. And you just saw the way that they were working together. There was a play where Brandon Wright was, he's lined up like super wide out there. And he's just taking a straight line to the quarterback, which I love. I think that's a package that could be really exciting in the, in the coming years, but the way that they worked it out too, where Brandon Wright's rushing deep off the edge, taking a straight line to the quarterback quarterback has to step up in the pocket because, you know, you got him screaming off, uh, off the edge, but pretty deep in the pocket. Well, he's got room to step up. Well, no, because you put Jacob Slay or you put uh, drew Beasley pass rushing from the defensive tackle spot on third down. So, when he steps up, Beasley was right in his face to wrap him up for the sack. I mean, they just they worked really well together. The communication was there. The 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 playmaking ability was there. The sacks were in good spots. They were you know drive killing sacks. I just thought that as a defensive line as a whole played awesome. And again, you know you look at the running stats as well. Three point three yards a carry for Pitt. Um, I'll give it to the whole defensive line here. 
Yeah, I like it. We talked earlier about how Peyton Thorne really had trouble setting his feet, uh, especially on longer routes this game because the defensive line for Pitt was getting into the backfield. We certainly did the exact same thing. It didn't really feel like our shaky secondary was tested because they didn't have time to test it. Right. Because that defensive line was controlling the line of scrimmage, was controlling the game, making it really hard on those inexperienced quarterbacks to keep their eyes downfield and uh, stick to their mechanics. So, yeah, I like it. They, I thought about a few of those guys, but because I couldn't really pick one, I went a different direction. But I love it. Um, play of the game is even harder for me in this game because, <laughs> again, everyone made – put their staple on it. You had Noah Harvey in his past breakup. You had Jaden Reed making great plays. You had the Jalen Naylor, like the, the pirouette one handed oh, catch, which was sick. Uh, plenty of defensive plays to pick from, but my play of the game, Connor Hayward, his touchdown. Okay. You're going there. Okay. Got us out of uh, the, hardest part of this game and kind of ignited that fourth quarter comeback. Uh, we were driving a little bit, but it's still, we were going down to third downs. That was third and goal after we had converted a third down earlier in the drive. Um, I think it was third and goal from the 15. So really not a situation where you'd expect much. And Peyton Thorne put it exactly where it needed to be between, you know, the linebacker and the safety and Connor Hayward used every inch of his five six frame whatever he is it's not five <laughs> six but um i mean it was a great catch he's always had the hands that was always his his big ran over the, the dude while he, catching the ball somehow like trucked the guy <laughs> yeah the, oh that poor guy like ended up on his belly but like connor hayward's full weight came down right on his pelvis and just yeah i feel bad for him but that was my play of the game incredibly athletic play for connor hayward a career arc that is hard to remember any more chaotic I mean struggling running back to transfer portal to coming out of the transfer portal to being a a leader for this team I can't remember if he was a captain but certainly a leader made plays throughout the season and ignited uh, that comeback yesterday Um, Connor Hayward play of the game I wish I could give him player of the game because he honestly was probably my favorite senior on this team which is hard to believe after what we felt about him two three years ago I was really happy to see him get his moment yeah I thought there were two candidates here for the play of the game Uh, they they were both obviously right at the end there you had the Jaden Reed uh, touchdown grab and you had the Cal Halliday pick six Uh, so I'll kind of give it a 1a 1b here but I'll go with the 1a being the Jaden Reed touchdown and the the reason that I chose that one over the holiday was the celebration of him rocking the baby to sleep right in front of that poor defensive back who just got mossed uh that was awesome and it was just you know it was something that Jaden Reed has done at times pretty much all year in the Penn State game on fourth down in the Michigan game there was that huge fourth down it was what fourth and one in the red zone, he threw up the fade to him. I mean, he's been doing that all year in this game in the first quarter. He did it. I mean, it was just that Peyton Thorne trusts his guy, throws it up there, lets him make a play. Jaden Reed made the play. And it, it was, I think the reason I picked, I picked this one too, is that, you know, at that moment, you're thinking what there was two minutes, just under three minutes left. And you're thinking, all right, this pit offense hasn't really been able to get anything. So that was kind of the moment that I felt that Michigan State won the game. Obviously, the Cal Halliday pick six sealed it, and they were they were sort of driving there. Um, so it got a little dicey for a second. I was thinking, wait, maybe we might be headed overtime. But um, it's a 1A, 1B for me, but I'll go with the Jaden Reed touchdown there at the end uh, as the 1A to finish that thing off. So what – what a fourth quarter. I mean, what a, what a football game in general. I had, I, to, to give my bet sheet here, I had, uh, I ended up winning some money because I bet a specific like Michigan state by um, it was by seven to 11 points. I think it was like, yeah, you had to fit it in that window with pretty good odds. Uh, I also had the first quarter over which hit, 
I had the first half over and I had the full game over. And before you think, well, that was dumb. If that backup court, if uh, was it Patty, I think if he stayed healthy that game, I think this game goes over. Uh, but it, it just, everything kind of stalled out for a little while. It all slowed down and got bogged down in the mud. So I uh, missed a couple of those bets, but ended up coming out on top as a winner uh, in general. But yeah, it's fun, fun football game for, for about half of it. Very stressful for the other half. And here we are, 11 wins, Peach Bowl champions, and uh, ready to take on a long offseason. Anything yeah, else my- before we get out of here? Well, my last note, you mentioned earlier to leave reviews, et cetera. And you mentioned this on the last podcast, but I want to make sure we hit it because it's so easy. Um, If you liked this episode, if you liked listening this season and you listen on Spotify, or just if you have Spotify and listen elsewhere, elsewhere, geez, Uh, (laughs) it's the end of the show. (laughs) It's been a long year. Um, Go to Spotify, search standing room spartans go to our page and you can leave a rating they don't have reviews but it's super simple it's just a rating just one below click. the logo there's a star you can click on it you can give us one through five stars i gave us two stars all because of kevin uh but you can give us <laughs> five stars you. if you'd like uh just kidding we'd love five stars but you can be honest um it's super easy it takes literally once you're on our page one second to do and it will help us out a ton to start getting some ratings built up on Spotify. Um, I know plenty of our listeners listen to Spotify. We can see that sort of thing. So I know you're out there. Um, go ahead and do that for us. Uh, send us a DM. Let us know you did it. We'll give you a shout out. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Kevin mentioned it last episode, but this whole season, thank you for listening. It has been a ton of fun, more fun than I expected. We're growing faster than I expected, which hopefully means you guys are enjoying the show. And uh, we're excited for this offseason. We're going to try some new things like Kevin mentioned and uh, hopefully get you guys more involved and uh, just keep having fun because this football team, this football program right now is a whole lot of fun. All right. Well, that about wraps it up here. So happy new year, everybody for uh, who are listening before new year's Eve. Uh, you know, the, the Michigan game is tonight. The, the Alabama game is tonight. Uh, if you know, I'm posting this as soon as we wrap it up. So if you're listening on new year's Eve, well, thank you for, for being so loyal to listen right away and happy new year's to you. If you're listening on new year's day, happy new year's to you, wherever you are. Uh, I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, the, the ball has already dropped in whatever time zone that you happen to reside, but happy new year. And, uh, we look forward to another great year of the show continued growth and all because of you guys. So appreciate it very much. And we will see you later this week uh, with something that we will decide at a later date. So until then go green, go white. Take care folks.